Hey everyone, it's Dan McCool from Blue Revolution. Today we're going to be interviewing Andrew Morris, one of our endorsed candidates. Hope you guys enjoy it. Welcome everyone to the second episode of the Blue Revolution podcast. My name is Dan McCool. We're 37 weeks away, 260 days from midterms 2018. I hope everyone's getting their plans together. We're certainly going to do everything we can to get everyone organized here in Blue Revolution. We just hit 10,000 members this week. 10,000 members. It's really exciting. We're continuing to grow. I urge everyone to continue to add their friends to the group, progressive friends who can help us out to flip the uh, Congress this year. A lot of really exciting stuff happening in the group this week. First of all, we're starting a website, which is going to be bluerevolutionusa.com. And on the website, we're going to have a lot of cool features. You can give to our endorsed candidates. You can read a blog that we're starting. You can give to national Democrats who are igniting the party, people like Beto O'Rourke and Randy Bryce running for Paul Ryan's seat in Wisconsin. We've started to uh, tweet a lot more the last couple of weeks. We're tweeting at the president. We're trying to troll the president a little bit. I don't know if he's going to read our comments, but at least some people will. Twitter.com slash Blue Revolution, and it's zeros, not O's in the word revolution. And the last thing that we're launching this week, which I'm really excited about, is a Patreon account. For those of you who are not sure what Patreon is, it's a website where artists, musicians, and political activists can raise money for projects that they're running. And Blue Revolution is a project that I put a lot of effort into. It's really kind of like the number one project in my life. I am an adjunct professor teaching political science at a college. I've been doing that for about 11 years. I have a PhD in political science. I've worked on a number of political campaigns, and I'm really trying to take all of that experience and sort of plug it into Blue Revolution to make sure that all 10,000 plus of us are doing everything that we can to flip Congress this year, to be active members of the resistance, and eventually to remove Donald Trump from office through the ballot box. So Blue Revolution is really kind of like a full-time job for me at this point. I put at least 30 hours a week into this group. I am going to have to, at some point, ask for a little bit of support so I can sort of pay the bills with the time that I'm putting into this thing. So go to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash blue revolution. It would be very, very greatly appreciated if you guys could help me pay some bills and have this thing be kind of my my gig. Um, this is sort of what I'm doing with uh, all the knowledge and experience I've, I've acquired uh, over the years in politics. So patreon.com slash blue revolution. Okay, so uh, pretty crazy week in the news. We had this uh, terrible mass shooting in Florida. 17 kids were killed by an AR-15 wielding maniac. Donald Trump's response to this has been horrible, uh, as usual. Trump tweeted out last night that this proves that the Russia investigation is not worth pursuing. He said, quote, very sad that the FBI missed all of the many signals sent out by the Florida school shooter. This is not acceptable. They are spending too much time trying to prove Russian collusion with the Trump campaign. There is no collusion. Get back to the basics and make us all proud. Just to be clear here, this is the president of the United States in Florida, having just met with the families and the victims of a horrific school shooting, getting on Twitter and tying that shooting 
to his own legal problems. This man is a sociopath. There's, there's just no other way to say it. And we get a new low from Trump every week or maybe every, every other two weeks. And you just, you try in your mind to imagine what could be worse than the last thing that he said. I think this is pretty down there. I think that this is among the worst. We need to do something about gun violence in America. Trump is not going to lead the way, so we need to come up with our own. One of the things that I saw this week that was the most convincing case is that we need to make gun control into a public health crisis, not simply just a sort of, you know, liberal agenda item. And this is kind of easier said than done, but it's, you know, it's better said than not said. And the analogy that I always think of is when you think about cigarettes a couple decades ago, they were everywhere. People smoked in restaurants. People smoked on planes. People smoked in shopping malls. When I was a teenager in the 90s, a lot of my friends smoked. I smoked. Kids don't really smoke today. People don't smoke in restaurants anymore in many parts of the country. It's kind of just not accepted in most parts of the country. And that was due to a public health campaign. We need to do the same thing with guns. One of the groups that's leading the way in this fight, which should give us a lot of hope this week, is the Never Again movement. So this is a group of survivors from the Stoneman Douglas shooting in Florida. They started a website called marchforourlives.com. And you can go on Twitter and find them. It's hashtag never again. They're also on Facebook. There's a group called Never Again, which someone posted in the group uh, about the other day. These kids are going to have to lead this fight because this past generation has just failed to address this gun debate. The cycle of debating that we do is just exhausting. After every single one of these mass shootings, we go through the same cycle. We need new blood. We need a new generation to sort of take this issue over, and that's what these kids are doing. So go support them. Uh, their movement is called Never Again, and their website is called MarchForOurLives.com. And we also had some Russian news this week. So 13 Russian nationals were indicted for interfering in the 2016 election. Donald Trump, not surprisingly, blamed the interference on Barack Obama, even though Donald Trump has called the allegation that Russia interfered in our election a hoax literally dozens of times. And he actually came out a couple months ago and said that Vladimir Putin told him that the Russians didn't interfere, so therefore the Russians didn't interfere. So what you can do about this is you can call Congress and tell them to A, protect the Mueller investigation, and B, tell Donald Trump to, rather than tweeting about how this is Obama's fault, enforce the veto-proof Russian sanctions law that Congress passed which he refuses to enforce and doesn't give us any explanation for it. So call your congressperson 202-224-3121. That's 202-224-3121. Tell them to, to do their job. Tell them to hold the president accountable for this, okay? All right, so I'm going to play this interview this week by Andrew Morris, who's a great guy. He's running for the House of Representatives in Texas in District 64, Really smart guy. He was introduced to the group by a woman who works on his campaign, whose name is Katrina. This interview is really interesting. I think we, we, we talk about American politics. We talk about Texas politics. We talk about the politics of the Democratic Party. Andrew is just a really smart guy. He was endorsed by runforsomething.com, which is a really great website. He gives us a lot of sort of information about how we can donate to his campaign. 
Andrew is a, a young guy. We need a, a lot of really sort of new blood in the Democratic Party now, I think. He is an immigrant. He's a naturalized immigrant and really, really smart. So I hope you guys enjoy this interview. Welcome to the Blue Revolution podcast, Andrew. Thank you. I really appreciate the invitation. This has been a long time coming, and I'm really excited. You were our first endorsed candidate, and the idea of endorsing candidates in the group was not really based on political positions or ideology, but just kind of regular people who were group members who we were sort of highlighting because they were getting involved in politics. And I really kind of wanted to highlight the idea that anyone can can run, kind of trying to mimic the, the Tea Party of 2010 and how they really took over American politics and there's a lot of liberal groups like run for something, progressive groups like run for something that are uh, trying to sort of get people on our side to run for office. So yeah. so the original idea was just to sort of show how regular people can run for office. But I, I listened to an interview that you did and I read some things about you and you're really smart and you have some great ideas. Uh, it's not just that you're a group member, um, but I, I really do like your ideas and I like the way that you talk about politics. So even if this wasn't just about endorsing group members, I'd, I'd still want to endorse you. So I'm really well, glad. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. And, and I think you got into the group because uh, Katrina, who is a group member, maybe invited you. And I think she works for your campaign, right? Yes. Uh, Katrina is amazing. She is my communications director and pretty much runs all of my social media. I don't have to even think about it. I pop on every once in a while to do stuff on myself. But um, for the most part, it's a well-oiled machine. I usually give her a couple of ideas or if something is coming up, like um, for Monday, which is President's Day, I've already got it getting ideas for what I'd like to post um, for that. And I just need to give Katrina a couple of ideas, and um, she rocks it. And I'm, I'm very thankful and fortunate to have her be one of my most biggest supporters and one of my campaign members. She's one of our biggest uh, supporters, too. She posts a lot in the group, and she's she's a big uh, Beto O'Rourke fan, too. And we're, we're really sort of trying to yeah. push Beto in here. He might be sort of the, the rising star of, of this year, I think, in, in progressive politics. So, And then Lizzie, uh, Lindsay Fagan also is uh, – we're, we're endorsing her campaign in a couple of weeks. She's also running in Texas. You had some yeah. connection to her, right? Yes, I was her campaign manager. Uh, both Kat and I were part of her original team that helped get her campaign off the ground. And then uh, it got to the point where we realized that we needed more candidates uh, up and down the ballot if we were to really make a blue tsunami that I think we all want, at least on the, on the progressive side. And so I spun off to run a local race that I was eligible for. And with all of the contacts I had built running Lindsay's campaign, I was able to um, really establish a my own presence that was as being well received in the community that I'm grateful for. And it would also be remiss, um, thanks to Run for Something, they gave me a lot of resources that helped my campaign in the early stages. Run for Something also endorsed me as well. So I'm also a Run for Something endorsed candidate as well. That's really exciting. That that was one of the groups that I, I really took note of after the last uh, after the 2016 election because they, they're really one of the groups run for something that's pushing for younger people to to run for office and and sort of just uh, get people to break through their kind of imposter syndrome about politics and right like anyone can actually run. One of the things that the Democratic Party I think dropped the ball on uh, the Obama years was filling those lower offices, everything from school board to sheriff to uh, you know state house seats, and I think that there's sort of this small contingent or maybe large contingent I don't know of of younger candidates running for office in these kind of uh, these purple to red states that are, are really inspiring everyone to get involved. Um, 
you know, with, with you and Katrina and, and Lindsay and, and a few other folks that are running in Texas uh, in particular, I think that maybe in a generation, this is a state that could become purple or even blue at some point. Absolutely. And that's what I'm seeing out in the community. It's certainly a blue wave is rising. Um, Texas is going to be purple before we know it. And before long, it'll be one of the key battleground states that both parties will be fighting over. And more than anything, part of the reason why Lindsay's running, part of the reason why I'm running and a whole lot of the millennial generation are running is because we are the largest voting bloc now and in terms of demographics. We start we need to start getting more representatives from our generation to introduce those new ideas and those new better progressive ideas that as much as the baby boomers have been fantastic for us up to this point, it really is time for them to um, enjoy their long overdue retirement and allow our millennial generation to and stop moving the country forward. That's really exciting, Andrew. If you could tell us a little bit about your race, you're running for uh, House uh, 64. Uh, how's it going so far? What are your challenges so far? What You're in a primary race right now, right? And, and I think one of your primary opponents dropped out recently. But 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 how is your race going in general? I'm, I'm thrilled with how my race is going. Um, a lot of energy, a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of support um, has been forthcoming from the community. It's been fantastic to see. One of my opponents did, or colleagues rather. I, I don't like to consider them opponents. Yes, <laughs> colleagues yeah. is better, um, yes. I see us all on the same side, and we all advocate for the same positions, just in different ways, with different strategies. But ultimately, any one of us would be an effective representative for our values if, uh, sorry, when elected. So Matt is also a millennial like myself. Uh, he brought a lot of energy and a lot of enthusiasm from a very underrepresented part of the community. So I was thrilled to see that. And I was disappointed to hear that he dropped out because I think the more voices that we have, the better and more robust our democracy can be. Um, I am very grateful and humble that he also endorsed my candidacy. And I think that speaks volumes for who he was. And he has a very bright future in politics. I wish him all the best and hope he can return to politics um, once he's uh, worked through a couple of family issues that he's experiencing. As far as challenges go, uh, fundraising is always going to be one of the big ones um, until unless we get campaign finance reform. Um, and outside of that, it's just getting the energy and the volunteers to get our message out to as many people as possible. My district has 180,000, maybe even 200,000 people living in it. So trying to reach out to as many of those people as possible. We're running a phone bank operation now to reach out to all of the voters who receive mail-in ballots. I was part of an, of an initiative of all Benton County candidates who invested in getting the largest mail ballot program in Texas history uh, sent out this cycle. And so now we're just having to contact all of those voters to make sure that they received it, that they signed it, and that they're going to send it back uh, because that's where a whole cadre of democratic support can be. And you can do that anywhere in the, in the U.S. And if you want to go to watchthetexas.com and sign up as a volunteer, we can get you those details. And it's very simple. You just need to have a cell phone and uh, cell access. Call 5, 10, 15 people a day and just encourage them to fill out their mail-in ballot and we can go from there. That's amazing. Well, that's that's a lot of the, the work that people are doing, making postcards, making phone calls, making donations. And I think that 
whatever sort of part of the sort of progressive movement you're in, whether you're more of a moderate or you're more to the left or you're even sort of a disgruntled conservative right now. Uh, there's no question that the way that candidates are raising money is really being revolutionized right now. I think that this is a long trend that kind of started about a decade, decade and a half maybe ago. It's really cool to see so many young progressives right now really taking advantage of this idea that that campaign giving, especially in the age of Citizens United, is counterintuitively becoming more democratic. There's, you know, small d democratic. There's more and more people uh, that I see every single day just giving five, ten dollars to campaigns, 50 if they can. So definitely we want to encourage people to give to Andrew Morris's campaign and to uh, help out with his on-the-ground efforts there. I've always been told that it's best to kind of have concrete figures in mind. So um, $10 gets the R sign that I can deliver, and I usually handle the rest throughout the district. I have about half a dozen out there and another half a dozen that I'll do over the weekend. And $35 gets me a road sign so that people driving around can see my name, and I proudly declare that I'm a progressive Democrat so that those who may be a little shy in my district, thinking they're a blueberry in a tomato soup, can realize that they're not alone. And then uh, $100 gets me a block walker or a canvasser who can go out all day knocking on doors, reaching out to people within my district to share my message. We can provide all of the training and all of the materials needed. So those are just ideas of, as to how people, when, they, when people give money, which I'm very grateful for, how we can put it to good use. That's great. Well, I wish I had $100 to give. I don't uh, at the moment, but maybe maybe someone in the group does. Uh, but I'll definitely throw you 10 so that you can get a, um, a yard sign. You know, the, the, the concreteness of the campaign is is, uh, is important to know. So $10 gets a yard sign, 35 gets a road sign, and $100 gets a canvasser for a day. So if you guys are looking out there for someone to donate to, uh, for some concrete steps to move forward, these sort of young progressives running for office, definitely give to Andrew Morris's campaign. One of the debates that we're having within the group right now, and I think just sort of broadly within the progressive movement right now, is whether we should be sort of realists or idealists in our politics. And obviously, when you're in the minority, this is a question that you just have, you know, you have a lot of time to ponder this as the other side sort of does whatever they want. So, you know, what what do we do once we get back into power is, is sort of one question. And, you know, how do we actually get back into power? Are we going to be the party of sort of, you know, moderate compromise or are we going to sort of assert and fight for our, our ideals? Given the place that we are in American politics, given the district that you're from and given the fact that we have this sort of grassroots movement to get young people running for office right now on the progressive side, are you sort of more of an idealist or are you more of a realist? Are you sort of looking to sort of be much more of a compromiser or to sort of assert some of our ideals and just like fight like hell for them? Or where, where, where do you stand on these issues, Andrew? Yeah, that's actually a fantastic question. It's one of the biggest issues that's kind of separating myself from my primary opponent who's still in. My primary um, colleague is trying to suggest that it has to be one or the other. You actually have to be a complete idealist who stands up and draws lines in the sand and is you know, compromising and genuinely just you have to stand up for what we believe in as vehemently as possible, or you have to be a compromiser who has to, who wants to see certain things but decides to move closer to the right wing of politics in order to get something done. That's a dichotomy that I actually kind of reject. I don't think you have to be 
one or the other. I think you can blend them. There was a quote that I came across uh, recently that I think is fabulous, and it's be stubborn in your goals but flexible in your methods. Mm. And so we can very much so be advocates for uh, funding public education, making sure healthcare is affordable and we have a single payer or a universal healthcare model, which based on my accent, I've actually lived through and I can say not only was I as free as any American is, but I was also as healthy and had access to healthcare as well as anyone else in the world, which is also why the UK and Australia ranked number one and number two out of the 11 most economically developed countries, because they have universal health care systems that are well-funded and have the resources needed to provide care for everyone. When we are clear on what we want and how to get there, then we can start having conversations because it's not a place where one side or the other side wants different outcomes. We want the same outcomes. So I talk with my Republican friends or my Libertarian friends or even those who are politically apathetic, and all of them want to make sure that their kids get well-educated and that their families can access healthcare properly and that they want clean air and clean water available whenever they need to. And they want to make sure that all of the infrastructure that they use every day is safe to use. So when we can get to that point, we're then just talking about the pathways to get there. They're not democratic ideas, they're not Republican ideas, they're just ideas in general. And I think that one of the thing, you know, one of the things that I try to tell, I, I, I teach politics, and one of the things that I try to talk to my classes about is the fact that elections are not just about who wins and who loses, but ideally, anyway, supposed to be kind of educative experiences. Like you're actually supposed to learn about politics. You're actually supposed to learn about issues and policies through sort of the, sort of the marketplace of ideas and, and these great debates. And uh, it's it sounds like that's something that you're also trying to achieve as well, not simply just winning the race, but also trying to get people sort of engaged on these issues. And I think I listened to uh, an interview with you um, that, that you did uh, maybe last night or a couple nights ago, and I learned a lot just from that interview. And so I, th- I think that that's, that's sort of like a great a great place where we can bring these progressive campaigns uh, going forward in the Trump era, not just simply trying to win back office, which is really, you know, a, a huge goal, but also trying to educate people at the same time. You're an immigrant, right? And so you were a, a naturalized citizen uh, somewhat recently. Yeah, I became a naturalized citizen two and a half years ago. So this and this is obviously a huge issue. Yeah. And I'm, I'm wondering what, what your sort of views on this are and what you sort of propose to do if elected. Yeah, immigration is near and dear to my heart as an immigrant myself. Um, It's pretty much second only to education, I would say. My immigration process was probably as smooth and as regular as you could have it. Um, So just for my citizenship component, I applied in January of 2015, and by July 2015, I was going through the ceremony, which was the final stage. So So that was, what, six, almost seven months? That's what it should be like for every single person, no matter their background, no matter their history. If they follow everything, how long? That's pretty much how long it should take. I have no patience and no interest in hearing excuses for why other individuals, particularly if they don't look like me, can spend three, five, ten, sometimes longer stuck in the system, spinning their wheels, not getting answers, spending thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars to achieve nothing. The process needs to be streamlined. We need to have 
much simpler forms that need to be filled out because even as a native English speaker, even I had concerns that I wasn't quite answering the questions or the way that they were intended. As far as uh, DACA recipients and dreamers, they deserve a pathway to citizenship. There's that, that's the bottom line, that's the foundation, is when they come into this country through no fault of their own and they're raised as Americans, they believe they're Americans, everyone around them assumes that they're Americans, then they need to have that ability to say, yes, I'm an American, yes, I can be productive. Because they already are productive members of society and they often have families, they've often served in our military, they often have degrees in the being and that are being law-abiding, tax-paying citizens, effective citizens of this country. And that's so that needs to be formalized. Absolutely. And I think that one of the things that's going on in the sort of national debate right now is that this is an easy thing to do, uh, to become an American citizen, and that all people have to do is kind of, you know, snap their fingers and, and, and they become American citizens. So that's definitely something just the cost of becoming an American citizen should not be as high, uh, just in terms of time and, and resources. So that's great. So are there any other issues that, that we haven't touched on that you think would be useful to, to let our sort of listeners know that you care about? Definitely. Uh, I know that my time is limited, so I'll just pick one. Yes. And it's kind of, and they're kind of interplayed. So the principal city in my district is Denton. In 2014, Denton banned the practice of fracking within city limits. The very next year in the next legislative session, oil and gas lobbyists were able to effectively bribe our Texas legislators to overturn that fracking ban, not just for Denton, but for any city in Texas. And not only that, they stripped away some of the protections that our residents had. So we had frack sites within basic spitting distance of our hospitals, of our schools, and of our residential areas. And it was termed as a local control issue. It's more than just local control. It's environmental because we have all the pollution associated with that. And the products of fracking also contribute to pollution. Denton is one of the worst air quality cities in the state, if not the country. Worse even than Houston, which is refinery central. So you'd expect Houston to have bad air quality, but not a place like Denton, Texas. So I want to see fracking diminished. And we need to move fracking outside of city limits and away from our schools and our hospitals where our most vulnerable have asthma issues and air issues. But more than that, we need to invest in renewable energy sources like wind, like solar. And Texas is perfectly placed, especially the North Texas area, is perfectly placed to take advantage of these industries. So not only do they provide well-paying long-term jobs, but they also diversify not just the Texas economy, but the Texas energy sector as well. So Texas is, is usually known as oil booms, but that also means that there are busts within the economy. And so we see funding that go all over the place based on oil and gas revenues. If we can wean ourselves away from oil and gas and actually have investments in wind and solar that are long-term, stable, well-paying jobs and are resurrecting former oil boom towns, then Texas would be much better placed to provide a consistent level of service to all Texans. It's something that Beto O'Rourke is advocating for because we have more jobs in wind and solar than oil and gas. And when you have all of these statistics and you have all of the health outcomes improving as a result, it should be a no-brainer to actually invest in them. 
Great. Well, that's 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 great, Andrew. And these are all really important issues. I know it's hard to just pick one or even two or even three, but I, I think that just sort of together, we're just talking about bringing some common sense to your district really is, is what it's all about. And I know that that's kind of a cliche in some ways, but it's just, that's what this is about. Just these are issues that sort of average everyday Americans care about, uh, average everyday uh, members of your district care about. So we're going to do everything that we can here at Blue Revolution to help you out. We've got morrisfortexas.com. That's the website, right? And then um, at morrisfortexas is, okay. is the Twitter handle. And just you can you can do Morris for Texas uh, at Facebook, right? Yeah, hugely original with all yeah. those uh, <laughs> tags. Well, you know, sim- simplicity is best in politics sometimes, right? So, but uh, ten dollars for exactly. a yard sign, thirty-five dollars for a road sign, a hundred dollars will get a, a canvasser for the day. And this is really cool. This is really exciting. You're our first endorsed candidate. We've got about six or seven more lined up, and uh, you know, Andrew could really use our, our help here, guys. So, so go to morrisfortexas.com and, and please give to him. Uh, so, Andrew, I, would, I just want to thank you so much for being on the show. You're really like the first interview I've done, um, podcast-wise, in my whole life. So I think this went pretty well. Wow. Um, <laughs> and yeah, uh, I'm, I'm thrilled with this. If I can steal 30 more seconds to say that if sure. anyone's living in North Denton County, we have, or actually just generally in Texas, Texas has certain nation primaries this year. Early voting starts February 20th, goes through March 2nd, and then voting day is March 6th. So right. make a plan to go vote, take three, five, seven friends with you, and let's send a job through the Republican establishment, especially in Texas, that Democrats are here, we're loud, we're proud, and we're coming for their jobs. Absolutely. So March 6th. All right. That's great, Andrew. All right. Well, I'm sure that we'll keep in touch with you throughout this year uh, and, and throughout the next couple months as, as you lead up to your uh, your primary. And we'll definitely sort of post some news about you, some opportunities to get involved. And I just want to thank you so much, Andrew. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed this. You did great. Okay. Thanks, Andrew. MorrisforTexas.com. Go help out Andrew. Also help out Blue Revolution at Patreon.com slash Blue Revolution. Take care, guys. See you next time.